You're listening to Reed City Radio, the podcast dedicated to helping creative business owners like you embrace your inner weirdo, up-level your marketing, and completely nail your copywriting. I'm your host, Danielle Reed from Reed City Writing, where we believe that your words deserve to be rocked. Whether it's buying new cake or feeding your cats, money is super important. Today, I'm super excited to be making a return with Reed City Radio. Let's be honest, I've been on a bit of a hiatus. I'm going to do some type of life update soon just to let you know what's been going on. But thank you for sticking with me here and waiting it out. I promise you right now this episode is going to be well worth the wait. I'm speaking with Candace Olivia, who is a debt collector and also was a private investigator. And I don't know about you, but when I think of private investigators, I think of newspapers with the eyes cut out and also spy kids. So by the end of this episode, you will in fact know whether or not being a private investigator is like spy kids. And is that not enough reason to hang around on its own? If it isn't, then there are many other reasons too. Candace is also the co-founder of a local networking and co-working space called Karma Collab Hub in Miami. It's a great place to connect. It's a great place for local businesses and creatives alike. If you're a Gold Coast local, come join us. I work from there sometimes myself. Candace is also just kind of like a Jill of all trades, if you will. She also volunteers as a Rotary member and is always celebrating other local creatives and bringing people together, which is super inspiring as someone, a member of the local community. It's been a real hoot talking to Candace as always. And today she's going to give us some really action tips about how to get paid. If you have not been paid and you need to follow it up, what do you do? Especially if you're a small business and you don't have an accounts team, what are some actionable steps you can take to actually get your dollar dollars in your pocket because you're a magical unicorn angel fairy and you deserve to get paid. We all do. So without further ado, let's jump in. Please do, if you like this episode, take a little screenshot, tag me in it. I'm at Reed City on Instagram. I would love to see that you're listening because the whole reason I sit in this little cupboard with a microphone is for you. So let me know who you are. Alrighty, three, two, one, let's jump in and dive straight into Candace's wild career path. You are correct. It has been wild and interesting, even so much that I put up a post late last night about um, a moment of reflection of the entire journey, um, because I think sometimes we, you know, we get to a stage where we feel like we haven't done all the things we wanted to do by the time we're, you know, at our current age. And when I was reflecting, it was a really big journey, actually. So I moved to Australia 13 years ago, started off in working in hospitality, really wanted to climb the ladder there, and then I wanted to learn business. And I actually applied for a job um, in a debt collection office, not even knowing what the hell it was. To me, I was like, I'm going to work in an office and I'm going to be super fancy and I want to live that life not actually knowing what it was. Um, and that's how I got into being in that industry and I've been in that industry for the last uh, 11 years. Wow. Just yeah, so I started off learning how to do filing and the very basic administration work. Um, and then I moved into sales roles. I moved into state manager position and then moved into a role where I was going around the country starting new offices. Um, 
in that time, I became a licensed mercantile agent, a licensed debt collection agent, uh, a licensed repo chick, <laughs> um, because that's usually referred to as like the repo man, um, and then also becoming a private investigator. So I've worked across the entire realm of all things debt recovery. And I always was led by this idea that I was helping people um, because a lot of the businesses that I started off with were um, small businesses run by families. And then I moved into the corporate sector and worked at a fairly high level environment where I was working on behalf of commercial lawyers, barristers, receivers, liquidators, and working on their ledger books. So I've always been really passionate about the sustainability of a business and ensuring that businesses are solvent and also the problem solving around how they can get back on their feet and continue trading. So, and then I went on to start more businesses. So I currently own a co-working space as well. And I have three new projects in the pipeline because one is just never enough for me. <laughs> That's mental. That's like amazing. There's so many different moving parts. I had no idea that you were a private investigator too. Yes. Yeah, so uh, hand on heart, I have never, ever investigated uh, anyone for personal reasons, even though a couple of my girlfriends back in the heyday would meet a guy out and be like, hey, look at his Facebook handle. What else can you find out about him? And of course, that would have been... Um, joyous at the time but you know I was always very respectful to, to what I was doing and only use it for, for business purposes but it is really funny from the time that I first started doing it to now how much more information is available mm-hmm. and how much more we put ourselves at risk especially in a small business environment um, because the contracts remain the same but our knowledge around signing personal guarantees, making ourselves accountable, making our partners accountable and friends accountable. Um, There's just not enough education around that. Yeah, totally. So for the listeners who don't know, can you give a brief explanation of what a debt collector is? Definitely uh, someone that doesn't usually look like me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Usually they would be as seen on many of the TV shows, which are really buff guys that have come out of the army or ex-cons or something of that nature. Uh, that's what I suppose the ideal like image of a debt collector is. Mm-hmm. Um, what it actually is, is just an individual that has a passion for that aspect of finance when it comes to P&L statements, when it comes to looking after um, debtor books, invoicing, receivables, and payables. Um, and really, I mean, I've met debt collectors that are 65-year-old women that have been doing it for their entire life, and they just, they love it. There's no um, aspect to it, although being licensed, there are a series of um, courses that you do need to do to ensure that you are of a reasonable personality because it's a very fine line uh, being a debt collector when it comes to harassment and abuse. And you just need to have very thick skin. Yes, uh, and that's the, reason why, yeah, that's the reason why this aspect in small business is super important because a lot of the individuals find it really tough to be able to be the individual who's the selling and the business owner 
and the networker and you know the the ideal bdm and founder and then also to be this accounts person that's like hey you also owe me money and you know the, there's a, there's a saying in our world is that you actually haven't completed a transaction until the payments come in so it's all fair and well being excited that you've shipped off a product or you're providing a service but until you've been paid for it you actually haven't completed that transaction and it's in that last end that a lot of business owners get stuck because it's fear mm. and the thing is that we need to be able to value ourselves enough to know and understand our worth to be able to get on the phone to someone and not just be a keyboard warrior sending out a letter of demand or a text message or a Facebook or Instagram message saying, hey, you owe me money, and then immediately going on to this rant through social media of exposing the individual when you yourself haven't had that courage to acknowledge that there is that missing process. And it's, it's in a lot of cases, it's fear-based. Mm. There are aspects, and I suppose I see it from, a, from an investigation point of view, where people are just super shady and, you know, they just go off the radar. They block people on Facebook. They become a ghost. And that's kind of when people like me come into play. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So I guess that's the type of person who needs a debt collector when someone else has ghosted them or they're just refusing to reply to, I guess, their demands and things. When would you say it's time to bring a debt collector in? You know, if you had asked me a couple of years ago, I would say at the point of time when you've tried everything that you possibly can. And we always make suggestions so that, you know, once the invoice has fallen due, that you give them a call after seven days, then follow them up with an email. And then at about 21 days that you issue them a letter of demand, giving them an extra seven days to make payment or come forward with a payment arrangement, or at least acknowledge the fact that there is funds outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, just in this, I am going to point out that it's really important to know that once a payment has been made towards an invoice, that it's an acknowledgement of debt. So in, in our debt collection world, um, you have six years to chase up an invoice bec- until it becomes what's called statute barred. So any payment is going to be an acknowledgement. So it's always a good understanding in your early terms of negotiation with the other individual if for whatever reason, they can't afford to pay the account or there is a dispute to at least ensure that they've made a payment because it's an acknowledgement. It's when people don't make any payment that you need to then become concerned and maybe investigate it a little bit further and investigate your options. I think that the world of debt collection is changing because of the rules and regulations and the red tape that we are bound by. Mm. And to be honest, like, I think it's a good thing. There's, there are two sides of it. Um, but I would say now as a business owner that the right time to engage a debt collector is when you first start to experience your first few late payers or non-payers, Um, in an earlier stage to at least get some advice from them. Because when we look at the realms of education around small business, um, chasing up uh, outstanding invoice is surprisingly isn't advertised enough. Mm -hmm. As in come and learn the telephone technique, come and learn where you stand as someone that's supplied a product or service um, versus the individual who's not paying. So I always suggest, and, you know, I work with small business owners quite early on now, just providing from an advice perspective, um, building up a relationship with a debt collection firm, agency or individual who can guide you through the stages so that you're doing the right thing throughout the whole process. Mm. The right thing to do is 
not find your most beefy friend to go and knock on someone's door because actually that will backfire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, I, I, you know, the amount of times that someone has called me up with regards to them being owed funds, um, the right thing to do isn't just to bombard them with harassment uh, emails and telephone calls and text messages with abuse because again that will backfire and also not to go onto someone else's premises and take the item <laughs> which I've seen many 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 times it just it, it doesn't work and unfortunately the police don't get involved in civil disputes so you know you're just putting yourself in a worse position because it then actually needs to be seen by a local court not by the local police station Gotcha. So are there ways that we can protect ourselves against, like, I guess, proactive measures like deposits or terms in our contract to kind of cover ourselves before the problem even arises? A hundred percent. I'm big on being proactive. Um, Again, I say small business because I think once you've got through the, the years of being called small business if you if your intention is to grow if your intention is to say small business absolutely fine but you're usually after your one first or second year you would have come across a circumstance that would have prompted you to have a look at your contracts a little bit more but definitely super important to have a look at where the acknowledgement is that you're engaging someone as a as a as a client or, or customer and it just it really depends on the industry because i'm not big on sending off massive contracts for a job that you're going to do and in return, you know, invoice a couple hundred dollars because what you actually do is you scare off those customers, right? Like I definitely, if I was engaging the services of someone and the invoice value was going to be 150 bucks and they sent me a 10 page contract, you know, asking if, if non, if non-payment was to occur that I would give up my firstborn child, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to sign that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but being, being proactive, you know, definitely have a look at um, the option of deposits being paid and very clear terms of when the deposits will be refundable and in, in what terms. So a lot of contracts we see, they'll say that, you know, 50% deposit is required before the service and then nothing. And it's like, well, what mm-hmm. about the rest? When does the rest of it need to be paid and what, what is the term around that? And also if the, if the service is then being cancelled, um, how do they have to cancel it? Because, you know, I hear a lot of excuses like, oh, I send you a Facebook message. Is that adequate enough? Mm. Uh, and again, it depends on your business style. I try and stick with some old school methods because I think then it's formalized. So uh, making sure that any cancellations are done by email. So definitely make sure it's strict that it is in writing by email with a reasonable time frame. 48 hours is 100% like the minimum I would do making sure that your account details are very clear as well. And then if you are going through the process of having a contract, doesn't matter if it is 10 pages or if it's just half an A4 page with 10 points, making sure that it holds the other individual accountable in a legal term. Um, So one thing I see all the time in contracts is that they'll add on, if you don't pay my invoice, you'll be charged 25% interest. The court only charges 6% maximum and the courts are different state by state. So, you know, just having a look into the research of wherever you are, as in like, what is the, what is a reasonable amount of interest? Because also if your contract sounds ridiculous, it, it, it's not going to go in your favor, one for the service and two, then coming back to it. 
-hmm. And I think being very upfront with individuals of, especially when the value starts to tend to get a little bit higher, you know, one, how do they intend to pay for the invoice? So I say anything in a small business, if it's around two and a half grand, at least have an open conversation with the individual of just to let you know that it is a deposit 50% and, you know, how would you like to pay the, 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 the balance and giving them an invitation to express to you, um, you know, I'll pay, it, I'll, I'll pay it in full or I'll need to pay it off and being open about the fact that if there is an option for payment arrangement, what it is and that the terms are very strict around it so that it isn't a case of, yeah, you could pay it off, dot, 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 (laughs) 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 which is quite common. And then it'll be three months later and then they get ghosted. Yeah. I think about being proactive is about holding the reins and holding the other individual accountable. Yes. I think it's super important to have flexibility around that because when you are growing your business, the other individuals that are also um, working with you might also be in the same realm. And obviously I'm, super big on people collaborating and coming together and you know making magic happen sometimes they just don't have that cash flow in the business so as long as the terms are really strict should be happy days is your brand a crooner groover or extra good mover This episode is brought to you by Reed City's Brand Personality Playlist Quiz. Discover what your brand's personality sounds like, all based on Jung's personality archetypes of the human psyche. Check it out today at reedcitywriting.com. So a lot of my listeners really don't like confrontation and find it quite overwhelming. Even probably the word debt collector is a bit like, (laughs) Um, do you have any particular strategies or techniques you feel could help business owners when they are approaching the other side if they haven't paid their invoices? It's it's an amazing skill set to have to be able to deal with individuals, to have a very assertive personality uh, and stand your ground, but on the other end, also not aggravate the situation. One little trick is I encourage uh, small business owners, especially small to medium-sized business owners, that may or may not have anyone that looks after their accounts for them. Um, so you'll be the one providing the service or the product. You'll be the one invoicing. Is to create an alias um, from an accounts perspective. So you know, for yourself, Danny, you would have. Danny does all these amazing things on this end. And then you have this alias person called Sam, for example, who is your accounts department and generate a lot of that assertiveness because we all have it in us. We all get really angry and we'll vent and we'll curse, do all these things. And then when it comes to actually pursuing it, we won't actually do anything. We're just going to say to fear. Mm-hmm. So allowing that assertiveness to funnel through a third party accounts person, which is just you. Um, <laughs> just you called Sam <laughs> yeah just you called Sam but it, it, it allows you to then be able to segregate this frontline person versus the accounts team so um, you know a lot of people that have worked in an office environment before there's always this um, sort of fight between sales versus accounts because obviously sometimes they don't co- collide um, and just having this alias of an individual who's doing the accounts can allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Also, is value yourself. Value the service or product that you are delivering. And don't be afraid to speak to the other individual on the other end from the perspective of, 
the journey that you've been on in order to deliver what you have delivered and be transparent around that. Because I think so often we just go into our shell instead of going, listen, I completely understand and appreciate that you wanted my service, you've needed it, I've provided it, all happy days, you can't afford to pay for it. But I've spent X amount of time working on it. I've missed birthdays, functions, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if the other individual is a business owner, they'll completely understand as well. If they're, uh, they've got a, a small family, they'll understand. Even to be honest, even if they're working, they'll understand because we all work for money, right? And we all need to pay bills. And it's quite often that we'll just become very aggravated because the other individual who's not paid our accounts has put us into a position where we are now struggling and we just get angry. My advice in that situation is firstly just to have the conversation with yourself first and always, always, always know what you want the outcome to be, right? and know what you'll accept so don't go into the conversation by saying yeah well you can pay it off and the other individual says well i'll give you 20 bucks a week you need to go into that conversation knowing if you are going to be in a position where you'll accept a payment arrangement what that's going to look like so if it's a thousand dollars and they're paying 250 dollars a week over a month and it's done that's the arrangement that you are offering never go in the reverse of ask them what they can afford right so go in with a benchmark and then you can negotiate with this so that you feel comfortable knowing that you have understood what the decision is going to be and you'll be comfortable with it with a minimum. Does that make sense? Mm. And then if they come back and say, oh, no, no, I can't do that, what do you do then? Then it's a process of negotiating. So then I would, what I would do is I suggest it is difficult because every industry is different. So if you were a photographer, for example, you would withhold the image, the edited images, or you would only provide X amount to the, to the individual and then keep releasing them as payments were made. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were a individual that was providing a a product and had the product hadn't been sent out yet, um, then I would not send it out um, because you'll definitely get ghosted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's difficult because every business is different and I'm big on not not having the argument with the other side where you'll lose the customer if it can be resolved. Mm. So just be assertive and know that there needs to be a solution at the other end. If the person is flat out refusing to pay whatsoever, then there would be a process of getting off that call, call, not email, always try and have these conversations um, over the phone Mm -hmm. because it allows you then to have that personable touch. You know, you're acknowledging and you're standing in your power and you're not hiding behind the um, desktop or behind the laptop. And as soon as you get off that call with the individual, send them an email acknowledging all the facts of what happened in that conversation Mm -hmm. and ask for a resolution. Right. So again, then, you know, asking for that payment arrangement, but it clearly stating that you offered X amount and that they're only willing to pay this amount, which will take X amount of time. Do they believe that it's reasonable? Mm. Because a lot of the time in conversation, it will just become very heated or people don't think clearly. And then once they've got off that call and had a little bit of time to think and with them putting them in our shoes and asking them, Hey, do you think it's reasonable if I did that to you? 
would you accept it? There are certain circumstances when the other party has had an unexpected circumstance go on, whether there has been a death in the family or whether there's been tragic loss or there's been something very genuine. I suppose as a business owner, you try your very best to work with those people. Again, because I've done it for so long and I've, I've seen it go in so many different ways and it's hard to tell what's genuine and what's not. Uh, it's not as though we can ask, you know, the, the person on the other end, hey, can you send me a doctor's certificate so I know you're mm. sick? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, have, I have had several sent to me, you know, and that's amazing because obviously then, you, you know, you completely understand that it is genuine. So mm. you might give them a cooling off period where you said, listen, I completely understand your situation and I, and I, and I feel for you. However, I'm a small business and I need the money. So people can generally ask friends, family to, to pay the account and then they can worry about it. Mm. So I always try and lay down that path of, Hey, you know, if you could just get the invoice fixed up, it's one less thing because at the end of the day, you know, we were banking on that money. The invoice terms are seven days, 14 days, and you're now X amount of time over and there's been no payment made towards it. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not the way that our business works and it needs to be sorted out. So is there any chance you could ask a family member or possibly a friend to, to lend you that money to pay off the invoice and then, you know, you can deal with them uh, and maybe they'll accept a smaller payment arrangement, but it's just not our company terms to do it. And again, you can see how that conversation can be better handled through an accounts perspective. So I even know um, friends of mine that run small businesses that will have friends of theirs actually make those calls. I thought you were going to say that they put on an accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, no, you know, I've, I've done it. I've done it for such a long time. I have actually called people. And you know, being like, "Hey, John, it's Candace," and then the accent comes on. Of, it's not John. It's the wrong, you've got the wrong number. And I'm like, I've been calling this number for the last two weeks, and don't been on yet. No, no, you've got the wrong number. And I'm like, I, de- I definitely do not. <laughs> My biggest point of advice for people in this is because it can it can vary so many different ways. There's a lot of advice. So if you're Queensland, if you're a Queensland-based listener, there's a website called QCAT which handles small claims. And there's a lot of information there that is available. If you give a debt collection agency a call, most of them that I've, that I've dealt with as well myself, they're really good on giving you advice of, of what to do. And also just be mindful moving forward is that not all fees, once you have engaged a debt collector, can be collected. So there is generally an out-of-pocket cost. There are a lot of agencies that will go out and advertise that it's a you know, no win, no fee. Um, I'm always super skeptical of um, companies like that, to be honest, even in my own industry, especially if it's a client that I've had a really good relationship with, or I would like to have an ongoing relationship with, or I know is someone I don't particularly want to piss off. Just be mindful and ask what their internal process is, because a lot of those companies will just, they just work on the basis of harassment and you know obviously they don't advertise that but you know they've they're also a business and they also need to get paid and they don't get paid unless the account gets paid so I'm also I'm just super skeptical of like what that internal process looks like Mm. um you're better off if the invoice is uh, of reasonable value paying for a service and just understand that even debt collectors it's it's a business um there's a skill set behind it that you're paying for value and time 
Um, it's not a case of, well, you're just made a call and I've made a call, but it got, you know, you happen to get the account paid, you know, first call wins. Um, just because you are a debt collector, it's the skill in the conversation. And that's why I say that, you know, spend time working with a debt collection agency from the very beginning, just so that you can understand how that works. And you'll be surprised in that conversation, how much you'll just learn. Mm. Uh, I know when I first started working, little secret, uh, when I first started working in the debt collection industry and I would have a client, for example, that hadn't been paid for, solar panels and I would get on the phone to the other person and I would say listen I'm calling on behalf of x y and z you've got an outstanding account of let's just say five thousand why are you not paying and they'll explain that it wasn't set up properly and it's not working and I'd be sitting there going I have no idea what you're talking about and I don't know whether it's true or this is not true um, and then I, what I would do is I would allow them to have that conversation with me and vent and I would write down all the details mm-hmm. Uh, all, all the fine points of the dispute and then I would get on the phone to another solar panel company and say to them, hey, just wanted to know if I had this converter set up like this, X, Y, and Z, would it work? You know, and that's just calling another company and asking them basically just for advice. Mm. And that's what they you know, companies are happy to do that. Yeah. If they're passionate about what they do, they'll give you the answer in that. Mm. And then being able to get back on the phone to the individual and say, listen, it's not correct because I've spoken to someone else and it is what it is. And then, you know, sort of negotiate the terms of payment. But it's always a good starting point to get an acknowledgement of the account. Because if it does need to be escalated through the courts, it's very hard for an individual to then backpedal and say, well, I never requested the service, blah, blah, blah. And just the final question, which I'm just interested to know, is that you always have so many projects on at once. What's your advice on choosing where to put your energy in your life and in your business? Because you appear to get so much done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, good good question. Um, Like I said in the beginning upon like my, I was reflecting on the 13 years I've been in Australia and what what I've achieved and, you know, projects that I have Um, going on all the time I also do a lot of volunteer work is that I'm multi-passionate about lots of things and I follow my heart and I take risks where do I put my energy it's a really hard question because I feel like I have a lot of energy for a lot of things but they're all things that I love Mm. right Um, I think once you start to acknowledge that you're procrastinating about a certain aspect in in your business or in your life that you really need to take a step back and evaluate hey why am I doing this Uh, is it not providing joy is it not making me happy is what I need to do not happening because there's a lot of fear in here and this comes into like that whole realm of, of debt collection work and I think for me why I'm so willing to take risks is because I've seen things from all different industries and all and individuals from all walks of life that, you know, I'm going to say for the majority of the listeners who are likely to just to be in Australia, that we live in such a beautiful place and we're so fortunate to be able to do amazing things that we don't have to do one thing. Mm. You know, we can follow our dreams and passions and if they change every single day, so be it. Just follow, just follow your heart. 
you know, if you're very lucky and you get to create a business out of what you're passionate about, always, always evaluate if that's something that you could do long term or whether that is just a hobby because we see a lot of individuals that are taking on a business perspective to something that is just a hobby and then it doesn't work out and they lose that passion for something. Um, I know once upon a time I bought a sewing machine and thought I was going to be a seamstress because I loved sewing, that I dedicated a lot of time to that, that the other aspects of my life started to dwindle a little bit and I couldn't even make a pair of trousers with the legs the same size. So... <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, that was kind of short lived, and uh, now I still sew, but I just tend to make pencil cases and cushion covers. Which <laughs> fine, a lot harder to mess up. And if anyone would like to get in touch with you, where will they find you? Um, so if they want to get in touch with me, most of the time they will find me at my co-working space called Karma Curl Up Hub, based in Miami. Um, I also have a new website just being launched which is simply just me. So it will be www.candacejadeolivia.com.au. That's a site where you'll be able to follow all of my projects and all the amazing things that I do. In the upcoming weeks, there will also be a couple of documents with regards to how to handle cash flow as a creative business um, and how to handle small debt collection issues, just giving people a couple of words of encouragement Yes. things that they should do and little tips and tricks um, and I'll continue to upload that because I'm super passionate about it I think a lot of people in the creative industry we just go full steam ahead on of working on projects and following our heart and you know we you know back to the energy we go 100% give everything um, that when it comes to the bones of, of of that of that business we kind of tend to forget about them <laughs> and we think that it's all just gonna work out in the end or we don't believe that you know, what we're providing is of value if therefore the invoice to it kind of gets left to the last minute. And unfortunately, in today's age, we, we need to put a roof over our head and we need, to, we need to eat and we need to do all those amazing things and need to keep moving forward that it's just also really important to, to understand that it doesn't matter what you do. Um, you need to have money coming in. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time today. I've really taken so much away from it and I'm sure everyone else will as well. No, no worries. I'm also more than happy to answer any questions for anyone. If Amazing. Thanks, Candice. That's all right. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for today. No worries. Did you find this episode useful or interesting? Will you be beginning to use an alias as your accounts team? And will you be getting your client to acknowledge the outstanding amount or even giving them the option of alternative payment methods and breaking down the outstanding amount into bite-sized chunks so that you're more likely to get paid? If yes, then I would love for you to leave a rating and review. It helps people like you discover this podcast and it also influences future episodes. So what are you waiting for? Leave a little review and until next time, keep on rocking, you little rock star.